0: Hello again. It's been said that innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. And today we're going to explore innovation and technology. And joining us for the discussion is Catherine Robinson, CEO of Lumen Strategies, who also has held a number of marketing and data networking leadership roles for major companies, including Cisco and China Broadcasting. Catherine, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me today.
0: So can you talk a little bit about your business background in technology and how have you been drawn into this whole topic of how innovation really works in a technology setting?
1: So, you know, I've held a very, um, you know, sometimes I think if, if you were to look at my resume, you would say, wow, she's done a lot of really different things. But the common thread really throughout my entire career has been this fascination with applying new innovation to solving real business problems. And it's taken me on an interesting journey. Um, I had the fortunate opportunity to work, uh, in the early days at Turner Broadcasting, um, when it was actually still a business run by Ted Turner. And we were doing some really innovative things when digital media was just coming to life. Um, and so the technology actually helped the business bring, uh, you know, CNN to the market in a different way. Um, we just did all kinds of really interesting things. And then I moved to Cisco and I was at Cisco for 16 years. And I often sort of giggle when I tell people that even though I worked at a company that was a leader in routing and switching, I never worked in routing and switching. I was always sort of working at the edge in, in, in a market adjacency or a new opportunity Um, That Cisco was applying. And so what I've seen time and time again is how, you know, when you bring smart people together in the right culture, in the right organizational structure, you can really not just apply technology for technology's sake, Dan, but you can actually make a difference to the business, either internally or to the customers themselves. And so it's just been an ongoing fascination with me about those dynamics and what they do. And so for the last eight years, I've had the opportunity to work with early seed stage and growth stage companies, and that's been a lot of fun because they've got a whole different set of challenges and opportunities, but they're all trying to say, how do we apply this technology in a way and bring it to market to provide value? So it's uh, it's very eclectic, but at the same time, the common thread is always sort of pushing that envelope, if that makes sense.
0: Definitely makes sense. And there are all these companies out there that have all these smart people So what are some of the challenges that they're going to face in truly embracing data and analytics as part of their innovation and transformation efforts?
1: So I think there's three areas that surface and there's lots of technologies prior to sort of advanced analytics that have come along and made a difference, you know, to to markets and opportunities. But interestingly enough, I think that the three key elements are, you know, they have to be really smart about how they acquire talent. Uh, particularly, you know, in the data and analytics space today, it's a very demanding market for certain skills. The second thing is they have to have a focus on how they will adapt their organizational design in order to embrace the new opportunity that data and analytics could bring to their business. Um, You know, when you're talking about large companies, this is often having the courage to evolve their organization in new ways that open up these possibilities. And when you're talking about startups they don't have the rigidity of an existing org structure, but sometimes I've seen founders, very bright, wonderful people, very passionate, but they tend to hire in their own image. And so they end up creating some blind spots. So having an organizational design that will embrace the opportunity effectively, often through diversity of experience and backgrounds and capabilities. And last, I think the thing that really brings you and I together is you know, moving to a culture or establishing a culture that is always passionate about nurturing and developing what I call the outside-in perspective, um, and this is where you know you and I have talked before about how important it is that your organization and, and your people, no matter what organi- what part of the organization they're in, at least have some awareness of of what it means to be market sensing, to be listening to the market, to be listening to the customers. To respect what the salespeople are telling you when they can't connect, you know, the, the value proposition to you know what their customers are needing and feeling. So I think, you know, those are the three things. You know, it's hire good people, have an adaptable organizational design, and then always create a culture where you are nurturing and developing an outside in perspective and don't get too, you know, settled in, you know, what how you see the world from the inside looking out.
0: Yeah, so that's really interesting. So It's not just about having technical competencies. It's really bringing in, uh, having aligned communication, having great market awareness, uh, having good processes and a good culture, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So I was reading a recent article of yours, Catherine, and you mentioned how getting a better return on investment around data analytics is greatly impacted by what you call investing in and identifying the synthesizers and connectors. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: Certainly. You know, Dan, I've been fortunate through my career to work with a lot of really smart people, as I've said, and to work in spaces where there's innovation opportunities that involved sometimes some really new and very complex technology. But the really impactful stuff was where either the companies or the organizations within the companies figured out the problems that those technologies were going to solve and, and effectively did so. So, you know, it seems like a no brainer, but in our industry, you know, involved in technology, you know, most of my career as have you, you know, we can get very wrapped up in the cool factor, you know, Oh, you know, what's happening with artificial intelligence or, you know, machine learning. And people get very wrapped around the the buzzwords themselves versus the outcomes, Um, outcomes and results happen when you have the deep technical expertise, but you also have those synthesizers and connectors coming into the equation. And these are special people with talents. Um, They don't necessarily fit into a, you know, it's not a, a square peg in a square hole in terms of a role, but these are people that have the capability to either bridge teams internally. So bring, you know, pockets of expertise across a company together and then bring to those teams a market sensing and customer and consumer empathy and understanding to that analytic effort. So, you know, if you've got a group of data scientists, for example, that you bring on board, they can be the most amazing talent in the world. But if they're sitting over in a silo running science projects and you don't have people who are connecting them to, you know, challenges that the sales teams are facing or challenges that the analysts are facing when they try to apply the algorithms or things like that, you're going to end up not getting the return on that investment. But when you bring those synthesizers and connectors to the table, I like to say you get the instead of one plus one equal two. The equation can really become one plus one equal three or five. So you get that leverage. So these are special people with unique talents. They can be in different positions, different roles, different titles. But what they do naturally is connect people, translate between people, bring empathy from the outside in, bring empathy in terms of the consumers of the technology, the analytics inside the company, or either the consumers, if if it's ultimately part of a product, the consumers, and the customers that are externally in the marketplace.
0: So for the companies that do figure this all out, that invest in, they can identify the synthesizers, connectors, they embrace advanced analytics effectively to grow their businesses and innovate, what are some of the biggest positive impacts that they're going to see down the line?
1: Well, you know, it's, um, you know, this is just some, some basic math. <clears throat> you know, if you're talking about data scientists and data engineers um, in companies today, you know, if you consider, and this is data from Glassdoor, you know, the average data scientist today, you know, is going to, to be worth, you know, between 127000 to $151,000 in salary to a company. And that's just base salary, right? Data engineers typically these are the people that that are tasked with operationalizing that data science uh, can 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 be worth up to one hundred fifty thousand plus to a company. So if those companies, you know, you know, are compelled by some sense of urgency, and a lot of times this comes from the C suite. I mean, literally, these are bright people that are running these companies, but they're like. You know, they, they reach this point, Dan, where they say, you know, to their teams, go do data scientist, <laughs> you know, go do, why aren't we doing artificial intelligence? You know, they feel like this, they feel sort of anxious, like, why aren't we doing this? We keep hearing about this stuff. And so they send their teams off and they hire data scientists and they hire data engineers and months or years later, they're kind of frustrated, right? Because it hasn't really yielded any value. Often this happened Because, you know, I'll go back to the earlier question, they either put those people with the right talent into an antiquated organizational structure, or even worse, they put them into an ineffective siloed environment, disconnected from each other and disconnected from the business and the customers, or they set them off to find solutions without any clarity or insight on what the actual problems were from that market-sensing, outside-in perspective. So, you know, if you think about it, that's a lot of investment uh, in people. And if you don't invest in that incremental resource, the synthesizer and the connector that sort of brings that all together, you know, you're not going to get that return. So the the on the flip side, what's the benefit? What's the positive impact? You know, typically in companies that have embraced these analytics effectively and put the right talent in place to make sure that they're not... Um, You know, solutions in search of a problem, but they're actually bringing value to customers or internal consumers of those analytics. You know, they're going to be either able to to make really good decisions about, you know, businesses that they should expand upon, businesses they should possibly, you know, slow down on or uh, contract. Um, They're going to be able to, you know, potentially. Keep themselves alive in a marketplace that is so dynamic that if you don't you know change or die right if you don't change on a constant basis so some of the things that you see is companies have these aha moments where they realize that the the expertise they're bringing to a particular industry or a capability you know could be so much more valuable to a broader range of customers, maybe by you know, looking at their analytics differently and considering what's, you know, what's happening in the marketplace, they determine that they could be expanding to an adjacent market or opportunity, or they could go up market or down market or whatever. So, you know, the, the biggest impacts are growth and growth in the form of uh, new business opportunity or expanding existing opportunity, or in some cases, growth that comes, you know, to the bottom line, getting more, uh, productivity and efficiency in industries that are squeezed with really tight margins.
0: Well, you're really speaking to some very widespread desirable outcomes that uh, business leaders can relate to, right? Uh, Growth, do it profitably, and the sustainability of that growth.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of what everybody hopes to get. Right. And if you think about it, it, you know, it's not I think what's interesting is how anxious people get about the technology itself. But, you know, like I said, Dan, personally, from my experience, you know, having it, it's 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 an art, not a science and bringing the right talent to the table in the collaborative environment and an outside in, you know, sort of seeking culture are all elements that matter. It goes beyond the advanced analytics, you know, uh, technology itself.
0: Absolutely. So, Catherine, do you have any other advice or learnings that you can offer to business leaders that are thinking about improving their organization's ability to innovate and grow?
1: You know, I think the thing, and once again, this is not, you know, this isn't rocket science and this isn't, really anything new um, because of technology. But, you know, as you and I have spoken before, you know, it's so important to understand the customer and to put yourselves in the, in the, you know, in the position of the customer and to think about what value you're bringing in terms of their, how they will measure value. And it's so easy sometimes, I think particularly in a technology-driven environment, um, you know, environment where you have smart technologists in place to think about how cool this stuff is and what it could do and do it in a way that is, um, you know, you fall in the trap of thinking, you know, this is how we like to do things. And therefore, you know, it's cool for the marketplace. Um, If you're not internally diverse enough and representative, representative of your actual market, then you're missing, you know, you're missing an opportunity. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of simple and it almost sounds cliche, but I think first and foremost, stay really close to customers and potential customers. Listen with an open mind and make sure that throughout your organization that you're valuing and placing people who aren't necessarily the best at the technology but who bring those communication skills, you know, those soft skills to bear that can communicate and bring teams together to help solve problems and can always be reaching out in an empathetic and a listening way to understand what does the customer need? What does the sales team need? What do the marketing teams need? You know, those are the people that sometimes don't get the same attention inside of a company because they're not going on a rocket up through sales or a rocket up through marketing, but they're actually connecting those teams in a way that's getting so much more um, out of what's what's happening inside the company. So I think, you know, it gets back to, you know, hire good people, um, make sure some of those people are connecting and synthesizing, give them the organizational, you know, adaptability to, you know, to try new things and do new things and then never, ever, ever stop listening to the market. <laughs> I feel like a, a broken record, but you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's so easy to fall into, you know, day to day, you know, running the business and, and all of a sudden wake up and realize, wow, when's the last time we actually really listened to a customer advisory board and took the hard message that we needed to hear, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 It's the, the powerful voice of the customer which uh, never goes out of style and is so critical to business success. Catherine, you've given us a lot to think about. Thanks again for joining Market Impact Insights.
1: Thank you, Dan. Have a great day.
0: And remember to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.